So welcome to this week's Deep Dive podcast. This is where uh, I get on the podcast with a Tearsheet reporter and go a little bit deeper into the stories uh, that they're writing every day. Uh, today I'm with Sarah Toth Stubb. I guess it's two times in a row that you're in the hot seat, Sarah. So thanks for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Uh, you have a great article out today, actually, uh, about the impact that um, financial services are, is having on the ride-hailing industry. Um, why yeah. are ride-hailing companies issuing debit cards? Um, okay, so the companies themselves say that, say that this uh, move to issue debit cards and offer sometimes even other banking services they say it's to make drivers' lives easier, or at least that's what a spokesperson from, from Uber told me, um, that that's sort of the main goal. Um, because with these cards, uh, drivers can get cash back at certain brands of gas stations, can get discounts on gasoline, discounts on car maintenance. And then they, they have some partners, like there's a cash back program that, that Uber has when drivers, use, when drivers spend the money at Walmart. So from the company's perspective, they're sort of framing it as they want to treat their drivers better. And the card um, kind of ties and, that and all together? Yeah, the card ties, yeah, yeah, from their perspective, the card ties that all together. And the company Lyft has sort of, um, has, made, has made similar statements in some of their press releases and some of their public comments about this, that they're trying just to offer more, more to drivers. Um, and as we know, this is a competitive space with companies wanting, you know, always working to, as they grow, to to get new drivers and to retain drivers. So anything that they can offer as an extra perk, you know, helps with their with their marketing and also, I guess, with their human resources uh, policies, strategies. As, as I'm hearing behind your, your statement, Sarah, you're saying the company claims. So what's in it for the company? Is, is integrating payments an advantage for them? Okay, so I, I spoke with a few analysts about this, and they said that, that yes, there are several advantages to this. So one of the one of the main things that an analyst from PitchBook talked about is is that um, Robert Lee from PitchBook, an analyst, he talked he talked about how this is a great way for companies to gather data about their clients or their customers or their drivers in this case spending habits. So they can see, you know, where the drivers are buying the gasoline, when they're buying the gasoline, and, and, and this, when they're making other purchases as well. So this is very valuable data. It can help these companies if they're thinking about launching new services or new products or launching new partnerships. It can help them with ideas and, and uh, sort of, you know, business market research they would need for that. And it could also, I guess it could also help them. Um, Oh, never mind. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no worries. So, so these on-demand um, transportation companies, you know, you've got the platforms, you've got the drivers, you also have consumers on the demand side. Um, what's in it for them? Uh, because I know some of these cards may have some impact on the consumer side as well, right? Um, so I didn't look into this as much, actually, um, for the consumer side. Um, I mean, I guess the, the main thing um, on the consumer side would be that, um, there could be certain benefits, certain rewards for loyalty. Because one thing, one other thing, this is this is is not a trend that's confined to the the on-demand transportation sector. We're seeing a lot of non-financial companies like Amazon, like Starbucks, Walmart, many companies starting to offer their own their own debit cards. And part of the way that they, you know, try to get customers to sign up these is to offer them you know cash back deals 
or discounts, things like that. So from the customer's perspective, you know, while the company obviously wants, wants the data and wants to maintain loyalty, from the customer's perspective, yeah, there's an opportunity for, for discounts and for, and for cash back, things like that. Right. I guess if I had an Uber card and was getting loyalty points, it would be harder for me to switch, you know, to Lyft at that point. Right. 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 So yeah, that's also something that's there, build, building loyalty. Um, another thing that's in it for the companies, another analyst was talking about how this creates another stream of revenue for them, especially if people are, um, you know, preloading money for purchases onto these onto these debit cards, that's money that's, you know, really income for the company. Interesting. So they can make interest on that. They can tap into it as a cash flow. I, and I know as you were starting to put this story together, the story is, is obviously much bigger than just a domestic U.S. story. Um, what's happening in other markets, I guess, as financial services and, um, and on-demand industries, or I guess financial services kind of spread their tentacles into every industry? Right, right. So this trend is especially noticeable and especially ubiquitous in Asia, um, where many of the on-demand transportation companies offer um, financial services that go often way beyond debit cards. They're offering insurance policies, offering loans. So, um, yeah, there is a lot of growth there. Um, also, in we see with um, in, in China, there's this whole WePay that, that grew out of the, the WeChat app and company in China. That's one of the most popular ways to pay in that country. And also there's Alipay, which grew out of Alibaba. And that's not just for shopping on Alibaba. That is now accepted many, many places. And it's actually become the world's largest mobile payment system, overtaking PayPal. So all of these examples grew out of not what we would think of as non-financial companies, companies providing other things like online shopping, like chat. And they started to to make their own payment systems. And these payment systems eventually became so big that they sort of outgrew the company that they started in. Um, in in uh, Singapore, we're actually seeing Grab, which is a, a ride hailing business similar to Uber, that they're spinning out Grab Financial into sort of its own, its own separate company because it's become so successful um, in such a large part of Grab. And some of these companies have talked about how they're looking to become sort of super apps. You know, it's no longer just for just for groceries or it's no longer just for finding a ride to work. These are now things where you can actually pay for these services plus pay for, for other services, you know, all day long using these, using these apps. In a way, it's almost like the app becomes the consumer's um, sort of quasi banking app. Um, I guess behind all right. this, Sarah, like what's, what's powering this? These companies, Uber is not becoming a bank, right? I don't think it's applied for a, a, a banking license. Like what's, what's sort of happening in the background to enable all this? So happening in the background, especially in the U.S. market, it, it, it's quite uh, a um, long and complicated bureaucratic process to get a national banking license in the U.S. where you can act as a bank nationally in all 50 states. So Uber is not getting a banking license. Even, even for big companies like Facebook, Uber, this is a long and arduous process. So what they're often doing is partnering up with an existing bank, anything from a small community bank to we saw Uber's announcement that they're partnering with the Spanish banking giant BBVA to launch a debit card in Mexico. So they're, they're partnering with small banks all the way up to big banks that are actually handling um, 
the the deposits and handling the the actual money. Uber itself is not becoming a bank. And a lot of this is possible due to uh, fintechs that are offering banking as a service products. We see companies like Green Dot and like Marketa, and they're all they're working in the background to coordinate all of all of these payments and make sure the money is going where it's supposed to go. And the growth of this technology and banking as a service has really helped non-financial companies like Facebook, like Amazon, like Uber, launch these things because they're not reinventing the wheel. They're simply partnering with a company that's offering banking as a service who's, you know, customizing it for them and setting up a system in the background that can handle all these payments and make sure all the money's going to the right places. Sarah, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me.